0: Hello and welcome into Brewcast for Mason Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am Luke Giardi, joined by Stephen Ossentoski here with you on Monday night, October twenty fifth. Headed into Tuesday, October twenty sixth. For those listening on the pod, we are live on the Mason Brew YouTube page. Appreciate those of you that are joining us here tonight. About fifteen minutes later than usual, but uh, we're here. You know, we wouldn't leave you high and dry here with State Week. Finally, finally here, and it's
1: as good as we could have anticipated. Steven, what's going on, my man? How you doing? I'm feeling good. I'm glad that us fans didn't look ahead too much to impact this last <laughs> game against Northwestern. <laughs> I'm saying that for whoever was on the uh, the live chat on last podcast, saying that we can't overlook Northwestern. But uh, I'm glad we made it here, man. 7-0 and for both teams. It's going to be a, a fun week uh after a frustrating first half against northwestern you know michigan mm-hmm. pulled it together and um i had a live stream late last week where i kept calling michigan 7-0 and people were getting freaked out that i was just assuming michigan was gonna win so i'm, I'm glad that i don't have a million people in either on the youtube channel or on my twitter just calling me out for <laughs> that mistake but i'm doing good how are you man do it good, do it good. Uh there was never really a time though you
0: felt that game was in doubt, did you? No.
1: No, I felt I felt yeah, more frustrated because I mean, you know, you yeah. had the fumble and you had the goal line at the end of the half. It felt like Northwestern was like doing just like the prices right, jumping up and down at the end of half, down ten to seven. They're just like celebrating like they just won the game. And you know, it it felt appropriate because they were extremely lucky to only be down 10, seven at half. And then Michigan obviously put on the, uh, put on the acceleration there in third quarter, putting up 17 points in the third quarter to really make it a, a comfortable win. So it, the second half looked how I was hoping the first half would have looked just so that mm-hmm. we could get more, um, you know, more of the non-starters in to start the second half, but it just took a little bit longer than, uh than initially hoped. But but it's good. I'm glad we're here. And um man, it, it feels like it's it feels like it's a decade since the start of the season when we were predicting, you know, seven wins, like eight wins, eight and four would be a good season. And now we're like, we need to be benching our quarterback or else we won't win a championship. And it's just it's every week, <laughs> every week it just gets funnier and funnier. The uh the criticisms that have to come up because the old criticisms that a lot of people had going into the season have kind of evaporated. And now we're at a point where we're in the primary driving seat for uh, a Big East division championship and, you know, uh, a meetup probably with Iowa at the Big Ten championship. So a lot of work to go, but, uh, you know, Michigan's accomplished every task at this point.
0: Yeah, they control their own destiny. No question about that. You know, I think back on it, You mentioned, you know, the start of the season. We did the kind of Michigan preview and projection show, man. And I I said nine and three. And the amount of people that told me I was drinking the Kool-Aid, man, it just seems like forever ago, you know, like you mentioned. Um, But the criticisms, I guess, from some of the fan base uh, stay the same after Northwestern. I like at this point, everyone's got to deal with it. Look, if there was a time that this team was going to move to JJ McCarthy It would have been coming off the bye against Northwestern. That would have been it. So I, I I don't I hope people aren't like expecting some sort of big thing against Michigan. I hope they use him more in the red zone scenarios because he does add the the threat of running the football and he's much better than uh, Cade McNamara at that, but at the end of the day this team's 7 and 0 and they against the number, I believe the only game they didn't cover was against Nebraska. And that was uh, because what for being? I think they.
1: I mean, they, they've accomplished every task that you can at this point, and um, I mean, you're right. If we were going to see a change at quarterback, we would have seen it against Northwestern. That's a prime game to get your uh, get your backup some experience. I think it's telling at this point, and I think there is a fair criticism that Michigan hasn't given a full series. The J.J. McCarthy at this point as well. It, it was a little surprising to me. Towards the end of the Northwestern game, we were bringing in J.J. McCarthy more, but he still wasn't getting a full series. It would be a couple of plays, three or four plays here and there, and then replace him with Cade McNamara. So it's still at a point now where uh, it's clear who Michigan's starter is. J.J. McCarthy brings in um, some excitement and some different a different skill set overall, but um, I mean, I think the furthest you have to go is look at a couple of the previous games against Michigan State, especially, and Penn State, and look at the quarterback lines for those teams that got pretty close, if you're Indiana, or if you look at Illinois against Penn State, look at those quarterback numbers and tell me that you don't think that Kay McNamara can replicate at least those performances um, from Tuttle of Indiana or Sikowski of Illinois, um, and at least get Michigan in striking distance of Michigan state, right. Or Penn state in this world that we are now where Penn state was looking like a world beater early on and now they're looking pretty vulnerable. Right. So, right. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I have a whole video, a whole script I'm recording tonight. Hopefully I'm getting the video out tomorrow talking through, um, the craziness that is the K. McNamara, JJ McCarthy um, (laughs) decision. So I could talk for hours about that. But um, I think, I think the simplest way to put it is what you said. If we were to see a change, we would have seen it by now. And we haven't. And um, I think there's a clear path forward for a Michigan on offense and it's run the ball and have a quarterback that's going to keep the ball safe and manage the offense. It's boring, it's super boring, not flashy at all, um, frustrating at times. But you know what? It'll it'll get the job done. And when you're seven and zero, and you win the games you should, uh, at this point, mission accomplished. You play each game to win that game, and then when uh, whatever the challenge is for the upcoming game, you uh, adjust as necessary from there. So that's kind of where I'm at with everything. Um, and also, can we can we just point out that the
0: offense is not struggling? Like this no. isn't in this isn't like an Oklahoma situation. And I'm getting real sick and tired of people uh, comparing this situation to Alabama with Jalen Hurts and, and Tua Tunga-Vailoa. That came at halftime in the national championship game, guys. Like yeah. that was a yeah. one game thing. <laughs> There's a one-half thing on the season. This is not the same scenario. If if we could put that one to bed in particular, uh, I would love to see that. But this Michigan offense, is it's going. Cade's not taking bad sacks. He's not turning the football over. This is—that is That is exactly the recipe for success for the way that this offensive line is playing. I know you can attest to this a little bit, Stephen, because you do the film breakdowns. But, I mean – Those guys up front combined with, you know, Haskins and then, you know, Blake Corum. I mean, snatching ankles out there. It's a a one-two punch that is going to wear down most defenses that they play. We saw them do it against Wisconsin. Still the number one rush defense in the Big Ten, one of the top rush defenses in the country. Michigan was able to wear them down.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing where you, a lot of the talk was leading up to that Wisconsin game where you're not going to run against them. You need a more efficient pass game. Michigan was efficient in that game yeah. and did turn to the pass as a changeup, needed it, and came out with a pretty comfortable victory against Wisconsin. Of course, Wisconsin's offense is pretty rough this year, but that's mm. independent of, of their of their defensive strength. And Michigan adjusted to that. Um, you mentioned the power of, of Blake Corum and Hazan Haskins. I mean, Haskins put on a spin move as well. So not only did you yeah. have the, the couple jukes from Blake Corum, but Haskins, man, he's he's from the uh hurdle he put on a couple of weeks ago um against Nebraska to the spin move he put on that poor linebacker for uh, Northwestern, he's showing um quite a bit of versatility now that that seems to I think it's always been there, but he's really flashing it now. And um it's it's really tough at this point, like I feel for Donovan Edwards because uh they said on the broadcast too, it's like where do you find carries for him? Because right. Um, I mean, Blake Coram and Haskins, I you just won't find a better duo out there, and I would argue it's two of Michigan's best running backs in the past. I mean, what go 20 years? Like, you go back to Mike Hart's the only one that I think you even put in the conversation with these two dudes.
0: Yeah, um, I I really, I mean, I love Karan Higdon, Uh, I think he had some great years, obviously. I don't know if he was. I guess I. I don't want to. You know. I don't want any Chris uh, Higdon erasure or anything like that. But I like. Is he getting carries over these guys this year? Probably. I don't not. think
1: so. Yeah, I don't think so. Fitz Toussaint had like one good season that could potentially approach this. Yeah. I mean, Charbonnet had a good freshman year, but it's not. It's not at this level, and it's it's great because. Michigan has an identity that's not going to go away. I don't. I just don't see another team that has the strength on the defensive line and linebackers that Wisconsin provided. So mm-hmm. in terms of what Michigan is going to do to opposing defenses, um, through the rest of this schedule as we know it, I like Michigan's chances against just about every other def- defensive front that they're going to face, the front sevens of every opponent right now um, I mean, they're kind of in trouble. If Michigan was able to uh, do what they are continuing to do, um, you need the passing game to be efficient, and that's about it. And, um, you know, McNamara's stat line: twenty for twenty-seven. So only seven incompletions for all the huff and puffing. You know, obviously the one hundred twenty-nine right. yards, one hundred twenty-nine <laughs> yards on twenty completions isn't great. Um, but I, I think the key here is all you need is a five yard pass all you need is a five yard pass and then on second and third down, you're pretty confident this offensive line and running back duo is going to pick you up those five yards so I get it from both sides um and uh I, I think the the more I see from the pass game the more I want another wide receiver to step up I think there were chances yeah. for Cornelius Johnson to get a touchdown pass in the end zone one on one coverage. Uh, that went through his fingertips. Um, you know, Blake Corum continues to be an option at wide receiver. And I think that it's smart to put him out in those scenarios more. But, um, you know, still don't see a whole lot of A.J. Henning. Um, Mike Sainer still, I think, uh, had some issues. Started a seeing a
0: little th- more Andre L. Anthony last week, which I, I don't mind seeing. I know he's just a true freshman, but, I mean, get him out there. Get him some reps. reps he looked pretty good.
1: Yeah, that was after Dalen Baldwin missed a a crack block on the eventual Mm -hmm. fumble from Sanders still at the, at the goal line. So I'm with you. He put on a surprising amount of speed there on that end around. So I'm excited to see him step up, but um, that's one area where I think the, the passing game is going to be what it is, but uh, I don't know how many like elite cornerbacks there are this year. And I'm skeptical of overall, I think Northwestern had fine corners, but against better athletes, better corners, how are they going to do? Um, and you you put up on the screen here, a uh, comment on YouTube here, the big brother, MSU is 121st ranked pass defense. So that's going to be an area um, that hopefully we can see some of these guys start to step up a little bit.
2: This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.
0: Yeah, I, I agree there. So uh, let's just set the stage for Saturday. I don't think we have to get to the Northwestern. I think, you know, handled kind of exactly what uh, we thought that they were going to do. But this Saturday, man, uh, Michigan opened
1: as four-point favorites in East Lansing. Did that surprise you at all? Uh, I think so, because when you look at like Northwestern, not Northwestern, Nebraska, Michigan was, I think you mentioned it, like three-and-a-half-point favorites. So... This does point towards Michigan State being on that level. I think we talked about how we thought Nebraska was better than their ranking or not their lack of ranking, I should say, better than their record. And I think Michigan State is, without a doubt, a top 25 team. They're in a very similar position as Michigan where they, you know, just have beat everyone on their schedule, haven't had the top level of competition. But they they snuck away from Nebraska despite having close to like 200 less yards than them in that game. Um, you know, had a relatively close game against Indiana last week. It was pretty close. Um, so I'm, I'm on the fence, man, because I could see this game yeah. going any which way. I think if Michigan can find themselves on the ground, hit a couple of these deep shots that McNamara has been missing these past two games, um, I could see Michigan really putting, putting themselves ahead of Michigan State early. Um, it's an away game. When's the last time Michigan has won in away game uh, against a top ten team? It's been forever, and I know that's like- he hasn't. He hasn't done it. Uh, Harbaugh has not done it since he's been here. Lewis Blake
0: brought this up. He said, "All right, guys, Harbaugh has uh, uh, a lowly record against top ten teams and against ranked teams on the road. Help me feel confident that this team will win." And here's the thing: you look at you look at his history in this scenario, and he hasn't done it. But that was the case also when they went to Wisconsin here this year. He he was able to kind of get that proverbial monkey off his back. They had not won as an underdog on the road under Jim Harbaugh. They went into Wisconsin. They went into Camp Randall, hostile environment. They got that win. Here's the next step, the next progression. You know, this team has obviously the horses to do it, but now you have to go get it done.
1: Yeah, and I think an underrated aspect of this, it's a lot easier to travel to Spartan stadium for Michigan. It is. yeah. And you compare that to, of course, Madison, Wisconsin's a great venue for sports. Of course, uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, a great venue for sports as well. Just not going to have as many Michigan fans there. And I would argue, I don't think it's any argument, honestly, that both of those environments that Michigan has already played at were significantly tougher than what Spartan stadium provides, whatever they're calling it the woodshed this year, apparently. So whatever that provides is not going to live up to the, the atmosphere of Nebraska or Wisconsin. It just isn't. So having that experience against two teams that I would put very similar in terms of overall talent um, to Michigan state, I think Michigan state's executing well, but I think you look at the overall just talent level of a Wisconsin or a Nebraska, I think they stack up pretty similarly uh to Michigan State. And I think that kind of lends itself to uh the games between uh Michigan State and Nebraska as well. So um so we'll see. I, I usually don't like when the argument is brought up that like Michigan's never won an away game at a top 10 you know like I think every year is a different year. And it's so mm-hmm. tough to compare scenarios like that because how do you how do you quantify like the mental aspect of playing a tough team on the road? It's, it's a very difficult thing to say like year over year, how different is it? We're not in the locker room. You know, we can only see what's available to us. And it's a very odd thing um, to, to kind of quantify like what makes you more confident this year compared to the last year. I don't know, because a lot of those are like intangible things. What happens when you get, you know, you, you, they get a big touchdown or a turnover on the road. How does your team respond? A lot of that has mm-hmm. to do with the leadership in the room and your ability to put that behind you. And a lot of that isn't within the advanced metrics. That That's not something that you can analyze very well until you're in that situation. Now the, the Nebraska game is the closest you can get where Nebraska had something like a score and there was an interception. They scored in the next play, got the two point conversion and then Michigan gutted out a win. Right. So that's as close as we can get to this year on saying, yeah, they've been in a scenario similar to a hostile environment in the fourth quarter. And that makes me more confident. But um, it's a rivalry game. What kind of weird stuff will go on, man? we It's been one of the weirder rivalries the past five years, five, six years. And, um, you know, I, I made a whole hype video last year about as confident I ever was going into the 2020 version of michigan michigan state and that proved me as wrong as i've ever been so so yeah man i this has the feeling of like a like a 28 21 game or something maybe 28 24 game and um i wouldn't be surprised if michigan could run away with it if things go right but again last year i was predicting something like a 56 to 10 game so who am i
0: (laughs) And,
1: and, you know, the the thing
0: is, too, that I think, you know, Bears remembering, everyone remembers kind of the end of the Nebraska game, but that Michigan defense held Nebraska scoreless in the first half. Like, they they had to get a lot of things working for them in the second half to even kind of climb back into that game. And my question is, look, we know Michigan State's offense is explosive. They have a, a ton of explosive plays, but they also don't sustain drives all that well you know that the offensive line has struggled a little bit here this year but they can pop you and I think I think Michigan State does have a clear advantage uh their skill position guys on Michigan's DBs outside of Dax Hill I think that is a clear advantage for Michigan State but the other side of that is the advantage of Michigan's front four and front seven definitely has the advantage over Michigan State's offensive line it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, how both teams kind of understand that and use those. You know, what what is Michigan State going to drop? Are they going to be like Rocky Lombardi last year? It was just, I mean, Quiddy Pay had no chance to get to him last year because the ball was out of his hands, you know, within half a second of it being snapped. Is, is it going to be something like that? What's well, Mike McDonald going to be drawn up on the defensive end to try and combat something like that? Man, this is going to be a great, great chess match, I think, between these two staffs.
1: Yeah, I think that that's that's the thing to look at because I'm confident in Michigan's offense overall. I just I'm pretty confident the run game is going to get theirs, and I think Michigan has showed enough through the pass game to keep that going. That's it. Pass game just needs to support the run game for me for Michigan's offense. Michigan's defense, especially as you mentioned it, Michigan's Michigan State's athletes with Jalen Reed. You got Naylor there. um, That. Michigan hasn't faced a duo of wide receivers like that in a long time. I was really interested to see Michigan this past week against Stefan Robinson Jr. of Northwestern because he was going to be one of Michigan's best opponents to see how Michigan's corners matched up. He went out with an injury, we didn't really get to see that. Now we did get some confidence in DJ Turner, right? He started yeah, uh opposite side of Vincent Gray and he looked great. He had a t- great tackle for loss on a screen pass, interception. Um, and he looked really comfortable, where last year when he was brought in, he kind of went immediately into pass interference mode. Didn't look like he had any issues there, except for the one ridiculous uh, pass interference call that was the worst call of all time. But my point still stands. I think Michigan is in a better place, added DJ Turner. You have a guy now that hasn't showed up a whole lot. He's got some confidence from last game. So now you have I I still really like Jim and green. So I don't know whether this was injury related or or what uh, cued the change for this second cornerback spot for Michigan. Um, And how are they going to approach, you know, having a speedster like Naylor, do you always put Dax Hill on him? What's your approach on covering both him and Reed? So that, that is going to be the chess match. And one other aspect I'll mention Northwestern got the most success, a chunk of plays on screen passes. And that's a great way to mitigate kind of your offensive line woes that you mentioned for Michigan state. I don't think they are going to go with the all um, fade like strategy that they did uh, last year, just because Peyton Thorne struggled a little bit. Um, I think using the screen pass will help him get a little bit back on track from where he was against Indiana. And they do have obviously Kenneth Walker, the third, one of the best running backs Uh, in the Big Ten and the country, where they're going to want to at least try to establish him at some point, right? So you're not going to see a million fades like you did. But I think the screen game is going to be featured heavily. And I bet Michigan State's going to be doing a lot of stuff that Nebraska put on film of a lot of misdirection, um, trying to take advantage of those scenarios where you can let those defensive linemen through if you're Michigan state like Nebraska did and throw a a backside screen to your fullback or to your tight end and really uh, attack Michigan's aggressiveness there. So I think, I think there's going to be a lot, a lot of misdirection, a lot of screen passes trying to get the ball into Reed and Naylor's hands. And um, you know, they're going to try to think, I think do a lot of, um, a lot of things to create favorable matchups where, they don't have uh, Dax Hill on Reed or Naylor, and they create those, you know, Vincent Gray against Naylor situations as much as they can because that's mm-hmm. that's the biggest talent difference on this uh, on between these two programs right now is one of those speedy wide receivers against uh, one of these cornerbacks that doesn't have that athleticism.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm very worried uh, about the two things that you just mentioned: the misdirection, but most importantly the screens man the, the screens almost have the the crossing route feel to me right now you know there there were a couple of times in the game last week against Northwestern i think one was on a 3rd and 16 in the second half it's an obvious screen situation you know because Northwestern doesn't have the guys to to go up and make a big play in that situation really you know if they if they do you tip your cap but ultimately it's probably going to happen 10% of the time Whereas Michigan is just unaware, you know, that it's coming, which is kind of mind blowing to me in certain situations. We've seen it a few times this year, almost burned up in Wisconsin's first possession. Uh, if Mozzie Smith doesn't make an incredible play on that tight end screen, who knows? You know, maybe that game turns out a little bit differently. We don't know. But uh, the, the screens, it feels like they've been susceptible here this year. And I think that they. I hope it is a point of emphasis here this week because I, I don't really, I haven't seen anything to to show me that it's been any sort of point of emphasis to to be defending against those. But I think Mike McDonald really needs to be aware of anything third and eight, third and nine, third and ten, third and eleven. I, I mean, you could very much, you know, get a screen when you're playing soft coverage and just trying to get home with with Aiden Hutchinson and uh, you know David Ajabo and these guys.
1: Yeah, I do think there is a greater possibility this year of Michigan doing a better job of self scouting. There were a couple kind of misdirection um, like play action pass boots that I thought Northwestern tried that the Michigan linebackers handled really well. I think Josh Ross redeemed himself a bit from the Nebraska game in those pass coverage scenarios. He got a tip on one pass. He was, he recovered really quickly to uh, cover a tight end crossing on one of those misdirection plays. So that shows Mm and ability to learn from that Nebraska game. Um, And Emily Stout, member of the YouTube channel, commented, how much of our bye week do you think we dedicate to state film? I think this is – I don't think like a common misconception, but I think it's something where Michigan had to do a lot of self-scouting in certain areas, and I think overall the defense this year, especially with kind of that Nebraska and linebackers uh, example – Um, I think Michigan on defense is a better self-scouting team this year. I I think they uh, show the ability to improve upon that and they understand their weaknesses um, relatively well. So the thing I'm encouraged about is, especially with Peyton Thorne struggling last week, looking like, you know, a bit of a drop off from where he was earlier in this year. um, You mentioned like these potential screenplays that was put on film last week. And mm-hmm. if North if Michigan State is trying to learn from that, I I have faith that Michigan defense will learn from that as well and have some answers. So, um, I would be very scared of this game if I didn't have a lot of faith in the defensive line for Michigan overall. And I think that's a massive win. Where in the past, obviously, you mentioned having, um, you know, going back to last year, Quitty Pay, um, you know, you have a guy like Aiden Hutchinson this year, Ojabo, but the interior, I think, is potentially even bigger of a difference maker because you have Morris, you have Hinton, um, you know, you have Mozzie Smith. These guys are now ready um, to ensure that Michigan state will need to um, lean a lot more on their passing game in this one. And um It gives me a lot of faith because when you have a guy like Kenneth Walker, you'll need a couple guys. Like you'll need a couple guys to bring him down, and you can't just rely on Aiden Hutchinson winning a battle. You need multiple guys winning battles to, uh, you know, have two or three guys bring them down. That's just what you need to what you need to do. And Kenneth Walker just hasn't had the same production the past couple weeks as he had Mm -hmm. earlier this year. Now he's, you know, I think with his skill set, he's always able to really break out in a given game it's i'm not saying he's not a good back because he you know struggled to put up a, a a huge game against uh indiana and nebraska right um but i do think michigan has a really really solid front seven advantage against michigan state to force them uh to rely a little bit more on peyton thorn uh, than they probably would want to
0: yeah um how do you feel about the linebackers coming into this week? Because obviously, you know, Kenneth Walker, he, he's been fantastic at making guys miss, breaking tackles. Uh, I mean, I think they're going to have to play a huge part in stopping that run game, obviously. But particularly this week, more than than we've seen in a lot of weeks. And, you know, Ross has been fantastic. But I know playing some young guys, Colson's getting some more work. He, he has been. How, how do you feel about this linebacker core coming in?
1: Yeah, Junior Colson is, I think, a guy that you need to perform really well against uh, Walker. It's, it's honestly something where Nikai Hill green. um, I think this was the first week where junior Colson started over him. Um, It'll be interesting because in terms of athleticism, I do think you need a guy like Colson to match up a little bit better on Walker, but Nikai Hill green has proven to be a pretty sure tackler and Kenneth Walker is one of the leading rushers in terms of broken tackles. So it's it's going to be an interesting decision on whether you go with the higher upside, more athletic guy in Junior Colson, or mm-hmm. a guy like Nakai Nik- Hill Green, who's probably a more sure tackler. Um, you know, he has a little bit more time in the system overall. But will that be enough to make up the athleticism gap between him and Colson? So I'm, you know, I, I think Michigan – especially with their defensive line, does a good job putting the linebackers in a position to be successful where last year I would not have said that was the case at all. Um, so I, I I would say it's, it's, I'm not as worried about the linebackers as I am, uh, in the secondary in this matchup. Yeah. And that's almost purely because of the defensive line. So I, I'm not going to say and sit here that the linebackers are going to shut everything down, but, um, I don't think they're the type of linebackers that guys break tackles from all that much. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. when Josh Ross hits you, you're usually going to be going down. Um, And similar thing with Nick Hill green from what I've seen so far. And same thing with junior Colson. It's a, it's a, a thing where there's not a whole lot of missed tackles from those guys. And, that's the thing that would have scared me the most about going up against a guy like Kenneth Walker.
0: Yeah, man. I, I just can't believe we're in this situation right now where both of these teams are seven and i coming into this game. It's yeah. Top 10 matchup. It's 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 unbelievable. It's
1: mind blowing. It, It really is. No, legitimately. If someone, if someone grabbed you from the street and told you, I am from the future, Michigan and Michigan state, are seven and zero in twenty twenty one. Both Fox and ESPN will be there for Big Newton Saturday College Game Day, and then they just walked away. I'd be like, "Wow, that's a crazy person!" Like, I I won't believe this person like ever because if anyone predicted this before the season, um, I'll, I'll Venmo you like a hundred bucks because no one predicted this. Find it, someone find it. Um, if anyone predicted that these two teams would be undefeated into this uh At this point, like it's it's got to be the biggest rivalry game between the two programs in um, at least 50 years. I can't think of one. And I mean, um I, you it's you could
0: say arguably ever. And, you know, people might be able to argue it, but it, it would have to be a pretty strong argument, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm always tired of the like Michigan never wins these games and stuff like that. Like it's a new year. It's a new year. And even I was seeing like comments on Twitter about like, this team's going to get boat raced by Ohio state. And it's like, are you kidding me? We got the best rivalry game between these two programs in six days, five days, whatever. And people are talking about Ohio state still. It's like, come on, enjoy the season. Enjoy being undefeated. It's time to uh, it's time to beat these guys. Um, Because I I remember earlier in, in this Like before the season, I want to get your take on this. I had previously said this was a must win for Harbaugh to keep his job heading into 2022 because I had two thoughts Michigan would have at least one loss heading into this game, probably closer to two at this point. And I thought Michigan State would have been a bad team. I didn't think Mm -hmm. they were going to be good. I thought they had a ceiling of like six wins. Obviously, I was way wrong on that. Um, And now I have to shift that, right? Because I don't necessarily think there's that much of a difference because giving a new head coach and going 0-2 against not only a rival but a guy who came into a program that had quite a bit of lack of talent on the roster, fill that with a transfer portal, to lose two years in a row right off the bat, it's a tough pill to swallow. But I want to get your take on this as well. Do you think this is like a must win for Harbaugh overall?
0: I very much agreed with you uh, at the beginning of the season for the, the reasons that you mentioned. I didn't expect Michigan State to be this. Obviously, a lost Saturday wouldn't be as bad as previous. I don't know if it's a must-win to save his job, but it still looks really bad uh, regardless. I, I, I've been thinking about it, and I can't slice it another way. You mentioned it, to, to come in, a new guy comes in, takes over that program, and goes 2-0. Uh, against you yeah I I don't think it's a a must win to save his job but it's it it looks really bad also the the paradigm has shifted completely here on this season where nine and three is kind of a disappointment down the stretch of this season because that means you probably theoretically lost to Michigan State Penn State and Ohio State and there will be a lot of questioning and a lot of criticism if that is the case down the stretch
1: yeah and I would say I would I would agree with you if Ohio State didn't look how they looked right now because right now I'm still penciling that in as a loss. I'd be me too. Yeah, you I and mean, I both. I just yeah. think that's the way you have to pencil that in right now. Um, I get it. Always believe in your team. I still believe they can do it, but me penciling in, you know, the odds of 20 80. The Ohio the Ohio State game is the the
0: one where I I don't think the logic of every year is a new year really comes into
1: play yeah it, it but th- this game yeah I, I'm just thinking of trying to think of other things rather than that game. can right
0: I now. also go back real quick to uh something that you said you've heard a lot of people saying that yeah Michigan you know this is a this is a game that they always lose that first of all it's objectively not true regardless of whether you're talking about Michigan State or big matchups because Uh, Jim Harbaugh has many that's the thing about Michigan, right? Is it's only a big game if Michigan loses. If they win this week, it wasn't a big game. You know, you Harbaugh was supposed to beat Michigan State. It's just year two of Mel Tucker. They've got all these transfers, yada yada, yada. This is year seven for Jim Harbaugh. Of course he's winning this game. It's never a big game if Michigan wins it. I mean, think of the revenge tour. You know, it was a big game until they beat the breaks off Wisconsin. It was a big game until they beat the hell out of Penn State. Same thing in 2016 when they beat Wisconsin. They beat Colorado that year who was in a playoff hunt. Didn't matter. You know, nothing mattered all because they lost to Ohio State. It's objectively not true that Michigan doesn't win these games. Three and three against Michigan State. I'd also like to point out that Michigan State, their three wins against Jim Harbaugh have been by a combined 11 points. And that doesn't even... Michigan beat Michigan state two years in a row by more than that. Like, it's not like he's getting ran off the field. Like I understand a loss is a loss, but in the grand scheme of things, it's about, it's been as lopsided as three and three can be in his tenure.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you're right about just the, it's not a big game if Michigan wins. And this is a game where if Michigan does handle Michigan state to the tune of something like 42, 10 or something, the immediate talk will be, oh, MSU just, you know, they hadn't played anybody. Now they play a relatively decent team and they're frauds and they're out of the top 10. And that's, I mean, that's going to be the thing. So it's, it's the weird case where if Michigan wins, you know, a, a close game 24 to 20 or something, then it'll be, oh my God, what a great game. Michigan really beat a quality opponent. It's something weird where like if you win bigger, then it looks worse for your overall yeah. projection. So it's a it's a weird case where both teams, I mean, admittedly, haven't played the best teams. You know, yeah. I would argue Wisconsin Thanks. is a solid team. I would I would argue that Nebraska's a tough out and uh Rutgers has an ability to play you <laughs> tough, but um but it's tough, man. It, it's it's a tough place and the only way that you can continuously debunk that uh that theory of michigan never wins the big games is just to keep winning and um and, and i can't that's tell the only is Lucy, is louis blake trolling me because
0: i no. have no way of knowing if I, it is. it stayed good yeah that's awesome. i mean louis yeah. blake said my internet was on point during the rant good yeah. i thought he was trolling me a little bit i thought i cut in and out maybe you've
1: you've been you've <laughs> been here you've been non-pixelated you've been present it's all good and um, ever since I called out spectrum, I've, I've stayed <laughs> steady. They're on, they're on the live stream here and they're just like, Oh, we got it. We got it. He's
2: yeah. bad talking to
1: us. We're in trouble. No one's going to subscribe to our internet. But, um, but yeah, man, it, it's, it's going to be a fun game. It's one that I wish I would be at, but also I'm not sad. I'm not going to be at because uh, someone yeah, asked earlier, I... how many, how many shirts will I go through? I'll be, I'll be sweating through 12 shirts. Um, I'm actually, I'm actually kind of bummed because I, I know this sounds crazy,
0: but I, I had it in my mind that I wasn't even going to be able to watch this game. So I wasn't going to get so stressed <laughs> out. watching. I get really stressed watching the games. I don't know why it like objectively, it should have no impact on my life. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It, sh- it should have no impact on my health or life, but it I'm does. too invested in the thing. Like it I, just, it is what it is. I also, I also want to say this was a point that's been brought up multiple times. This is from the M turf who cares about the narrative thing Win out you're in and you will have very good case to be in with one loss as well. So this is the funny thing, right? Because you contradict yourself when, when you say that, because you say, who cares about the narrative thing? And then you go on to say that you need a case to get in with one loss. College football is built around narratives. That's yeah. all college football is. There's no Objective way of making the postseason like the NFL, where there's a rigid schedule and 32 teams. Narrative is the only thing that matters in college football. It's literally it. That's why, you know, when the Washington loss happened in week one of the FCS school, that's why I said I wish it didn't happen because no matter what, Washington winning or losing week one was ultimately going to have no effect on the Michigan Washington game, you know, because whoever was the better team was still going to win that but Michigan getting the better win for the narrative is obviously the better thing because narrative is the only thing that matters in college football.
1: Narrative is what holds Michigan's football coaches accountable in the Ohio state game. You, I mean, you end the season every year with that game, that loss for the past six years, that controls your entire narrative for that entire off season. until the following September, that narrative controls contract negotiations that could helps. I mean, that is an impact in recruiting that narrative drives what your worth is as a coach that it is. And that comes down to a single game in the Ohio state game. And um, you know, if it, if it's a trend, that narrative becomes about Michigan state, you know, the, the two straight losses to a new coach, that's what drives, you know, coaches to be, fired and hired. That's what drives the entire sport. And um I mean that's what makes it great. Um luckily right. we uh you know we can be in a place to talk about it with people and not talk to the wall because uh I don't know about you, but my uh wife her eyes glaze over when I'm talking to her about this stuff. So <laughs> it's um but no man, it's it's gonna be a heck of a day. I'm uh w- what 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 are your plans for this upcoming Saturday? How do you watch this game without going crazy? You said you're going to miss it. So what are you actually no, going to do? No,
0: I, I, so I thought I was. So I do uh, play-by-play for Marquette uh, High School Football. Yes. And so they they have uh, playoffs this week, and Marquette is the only like Division three or Class A team in the U.P., So they're traveling a lot. So I figured they have to, their first round game is in Mount Pleasant, but it's usually, usually it would be on a Saturday at like Mm. two o'clock. So I didn't think I was going to get to watch it, but they're going to play it Friday at six. So I'm going to roll in. It's about a five hour drive. I'll be rolling in, you know, about 2 a.m. Friday night, whatever. And then wake up. And that's the thing too, is like, Usually, usually I wake up early on a on a day like that. So this is this is probably good for me that I'm gonna have like my body's gonna force myself to sleep in a little bit. <laughs> I I won't have like four hours of just anxiously pacing. That's how I was in the the um, uh the Devin Bush game was that twenty it was 2018 right and uh I was like dude I was a wreck like three hours before the game it's it's stupid and I hate it and I wish it wasn't the case but I literally can't help it.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Luckily, all of my nervous energy will be out of my body on Saturday. I'm running a... Do you have to get... I was going to say, do you have to get up and like go for a run uh, on days like these? So I've been training like five months for this race on Saturday. It's a 25K. So that's 15 and a half miles. So I'll be doing that. Um, that goes like 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. or so. Um, so I'll be I'll be pretty tired after that. So by the time the game rolls around, I'll be ready for a beer and just happy <laughs> that my my legs haven't fallen off at that point. So
0: um
1: luckily this week it'll be the game will be keeping me awake, I think, rather than like me, you know, not being able to go to sleep for twelve hours after the game, regardless of right. which way it goes. So so yeah man, how nice um, how nice would it be though man, to to just be able to
0: watch that Ohio State Penn State game like after. That's why I'm glad this game's at noon by the way. Yes. I uh like a night game. I don't understand why anyone would want that. Why why would you just want to be stressed about it all? Like I wouldn't be able to enjoy any of the other college football games.
1: No. No, and I I never can. Whenever it's a night game, I'm like, "Well, my day's ruined." It's just like, I just can't enjoy anything <laughs> today, huh? Dude, like when Michigan played
0: Wisconsin, I had to oh. like I I had to like uh, do a bunch of smoking meats and stuff to keep my mind yeah. off it, then just like keep an eye on Ohio State Oregon that day. You yeah. know, I I had to keep myself occupied.
1: That's it. You watch every other game, and it's like not even enjoyable. You're just like, oh, I hope Michigan's ready for this play today, and it's just like, oh, what if this happens in <laughs> in the Michigan game? It's just like I can't enjoy it. So, yeah, I'm with you. Getting it over at noon, and then. uh yeah, rest of the day you can just watch Ohio State and Penn State and just just hopefully be without a, a care in the world, hopefully with a positive attitude. But either way, um I'm with you. It'll be nice to have that over by four PM and you know, have a little bit extra time on your Saturday to to not worry about things. I also I feel much better reading the
0: comments that there's more people like me than I realized. <laughs> You're not alone, Luke. You're not Misery alone. Misery loves company, baby.
1: <laughs> that's how it goes.
0: Uh so yeah, we'll we'll get to it on Saturday, and I guess whatever happens, happens. But uh we're we're gonna get to talk about it next week. Steven, uh, where can we find you on
1: social media? What you got going on this week, my man? You can find me at Steven Toski. I got hopefully we'll see if it comes out tomorrow. It's probably looking at Wednesday. Um, I'm doing a video titled Who Should Start for Michigan Football? Because that's just the domination topic for the week, apparently heading into Michigan state. Um, so that'll be coming some analysis of the Northwestern game. Um, and that's probably it. And then I'll be driving up Northern Michigan um, later this week. So we'll see that'll, that'll be a couple videos. videos. Um, and yeah, at Steven Toski to find, uh, hopefully I can get some play analysis out there on the Twitter um, ahead of the YouTube videos and then check out the YouTube channel. Um it's you should just be able to find it by searching Mason Brew and you'll see my lovely face there. And that's all I have for today, man. Good luck on the run, man. Appreciate it. I'll need it. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. It's it not going to be fun. I'm not going to lie to you, but <laughs> I, I respect you going for it, man. You you can find me on Twitter at LukeGuardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D. I appreciate everyone hanging out with us uh, on this Monday night on the Maze and Brew YouTube live channel. Uh, make sure to go subscribe. We did hit over uh, 5,000, man. That was really awesome. Steven's done a great job there. Uh, but appreciate you all hanging out, man. It's a lot of fun getting these comments and, and keeping the conversations rolling. And uh, if you're listening on the podcast, you can join us every Monday night, either seven seven thirty, 73745, somewhere in there. Follow Mesa Brew on Twitter to to stay updated with that. And you, you'll get notified if you subscribe to the YouTube page as well. But that's going to do it for us here tonight for Brewcast. For Stephen Ozatowski. I'm Luke Kiardi, and we'll see you next week.